Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers. Cheers. Hi, everybody. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And welcome to 51 First Dates, the podcast about 51 First Dates, about dating, about the pandemic. No, not really. Also, I just want to quickly call myself out for that weird cheers. It was like very faux regal. I, I don't know. For my energy level, I, liked I was it. impressed. It's with. a mood. It's a vibe. I, I get it. I was I was right there with you. It's Monday. It's you know a gross, weird day in New York, and um, we are we are who where we are. We are where we are. We are um, nearing an election. I'm going to blame all of my low energy on this incredibly stressful time we're in. Oh yeah, also the pandemic. Uh, I hope you're all registered <laughs> to vote. I hope you're double checking your voting plans. Sorry, not to lecture you, but I think it's important. That we all double check our voting plans. Double check, triple check. Myself. Vote in person if you can't, if yes. you feel safe. And look at your state. Like, you know, certain states are very accustomed and can start counting mail-in ballots earlier. Certain states, it's a newer thing for them or they just are not allowed to start counting ballots. Um, I just saw, like, literally our first guest ever on this podcast, Amelia Diamond, who used to, who's an amazing writer, used to work for Man Repeller. She was just posting on her Instagram about phone banking in Pennsylvania. So you can call and phone bank in Pennsylvania. And I must admit, Liza, I have not phone banked kind of out of fear. I've done um, postcard writing, but I have not phone banked. But she, I'm going to just pull it up and recommend you guys check it out if you're feeling like you want to get more involved. Uh, beyond just, you know, this is one of those years where you can't just vote. Got to do more. Uh, back to blue, get out the vote. I literally just saw this before we logged on, so we will link it. But I'm going to check that out and force myself to do it because I'm a scaredy cat. <laughs> I have, I similarly have always been afraid. I hate talking to people on the phone and it makes me terrified. But I'm also going to do that this week. I'm doing my poll worker training this week. Oh, amazing. I'm, I have still not heard back on if I can be a poll worker. Like I signed up, but I haven't heard from yeah. yet. Yeah, it took them a while, and then they didn't, like, they didn't email me that I had been approved. They just emailed me the training, and then I logged in, and they were like, you've been approved. I was like, okay. Okay. Good to know, though. It's, yeah. um, But, yes, uh, make a plan, and um, maybe if you're in New York, you'll see me at the polls. Yeah. If if you happen to live in my district, (laughs) Um, which I'm not going to say what it is, but who knows? Um, because they're going to flock. like no shade Liza yes I I believe you are a person who should be flocked to but I don't know you know it's it we you know we shouldn't share our districts for safety but I'm also not that worried about no I mean zero percent uh yeah like I would I would absolutely like text any of our listeners like where I live um so that's all of of that important stuff um I have something equally important which okay well we're recording this on a Monday but if you're listening to this on our release day, uh, happy fucking bachelorette day. It's oh, happening. Yeah. It's tonight. Happening. The five minutes will be back. You can skip Next over that. We should probably get something I'm going so on excited. the Patreon, you know, or you can just listen to the other amazing bachelor podcasts, but you know, we can't help ourselves. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm like a Twitter. I'm so excited to have live TV to watch. Like it's so, oh my God. It, it's a lot. Well, we'll get to that. I'll, in consumption corner we should also say hello we're a dating podcast we're also right now like a active democracy pod- podcast no we're not but we've been talking about it briefly we will talk about it less um after the election hopefully um and but no promises um we are a podcast where people go on dates kimmy went on a bunch of dates met her boyfriend we had two other daters start dating for us they have both um found gorgeous relationships um and we are in the process of recruiting a new dater in the meantime we have guests we talk about dating 
sex, apps, um, <laughs> all, kinds all of the things. things. And that's everything. Those, those three things only. Today, especially, we're going to talk about sex with our amazing guest, Shan Boudrum. Yeah, we are so excited to have Shan on. Um, I don't know if you know, you've been living under a rock and thus haven't heard about Shan, but she is an amazing sex educator. She's a dating coach. She's an author. She's a, just a massive sexologist and relationship and dating expert in the world of what we do. And we are so pumped that we finally got to connect with her and have her on. We have an amazing conversation. She has an amazing show on Quibi that you should all check out as well. You know, Quibi is something you can watch on your phone. Super easy. It's called Sexology with Shan Boudram. And she the episodes are super short. They're 10 minutes or less. They come out every day. You know, the questions on that show are totally like full, going all the way in. Any of the sex questions you'd want an answer to but maybe would be afraid to ask. Um, plugging that because, yeah, even just having, you know, the time that we got to spend with Shan, her energy is so contagious. I do think like – Things are hard right now, but I'm very excited for you guys to hear this conversation. Um, yeah. It, it's like she's a blast. Great she's energy. so cool. And yeah, everything she's doing I think is so cool and so like important and necessary. Um, it, it's – yeah, I'm I'm psyched. I'm psyched for people to listen. She's also um, incredibly pregnant, is due in November. So like just Shan, thank you so much for coming on and spending time with us, just being amazing. Um, yes, I just, just feeling super excited about this one. Yes, 100%. Um, it's, it's yeah. She's, uh, like, just one of those women you want to be because she's so cool. Yep. Um, yes. 100%. But so we'll be back with that soon. We're going to do a little bit of content. Uh, or Oh, my God. I forgot the name of the segment we've been doing for months, Consumption Corner, and uh, answer a listener question. And then we're going to have our interview with Shan. Yeah. So thank you all for being here. If you're new, welcome. Um, check out our secret Facebook group. Or our Instagram, 51firstdatespod. Now for Consumption Corner. <laughs> oh my God. Well, this is going to be a big one. Okay, I'm just going to close the loop on my bachelor statement that I was making earlier. I'm so fucking excited. If anyone wants to just uh, blow up my DMs tonight, I will be watching live. The desire to have like live content during this pin, like something weekly. Like the vow has been doing it. We've talked about the vow. Mm-hmm. The vow has been weekly. That's been helpful. Um, But but just a live thing that we're all watching at the same time that's dumb. I just need it. I need it. I need it too. And the vow, like, I'm going to get into a little more of my feelings about the vow. I feel that this week got better, but I still am struggling with the theater kid vibes. And, like, I'm like, where is this going? But, again, it was appointment television, and that's what I've liked. But, Liza, yes, get get us why should we be so excited for The Bachelorette? Maybe – what about like even we are not being paid for this, but even for people who haven't watched The Bachelorette, why do you think they might want to watch this year? Here's my pitch. Um, <laughs> I just think, okay, The Bachelorette is escapist during normal times. During, during when every, before COVID hit, before um, all of this unbelievable stress around the election and our democracy the Bachelorette was like my beautiful puffy cloud of nonsense that I floated away on once a week. And it's, look, is it dumb? Yeah, but that's why you love it. It's so, uh, it's so fun. It's like eating candy. And also there's so many things that are fucked up about it. Uh, but it's like, it's like they find the hottest, most um, highly confident people and they put them in a situation where they're so vulnerable and have to get rejected and that's what I love about it is watching like really really hot people you know go through these really extreme circumstances and some of them are awesome like we talked about this in our conversation with Mike Johnson who is a contestant on The Bachelorette Mm -hmm. like I categorize everything on this show everyone on this show like as like basically are they like robots or non-robots like are they are they like humans? Are they people you feel like you could hang out with? Or are they like reality TV people? And like many of them are not. And one of the things I'm most excited about is Tasha, who is going to be the second Bachelorette in this one season because we all know the first one got replaced. Um, I think Tasha is such a human and not a robot. Mm-hmm. And so like I'm really excited to watch her. I think she's cool. I think she's like 
very normal for someone who is a lead of the franchise and also not boring, which is great. Yes. This, I think I am just excited to have a collective thing we can all get into. I didn't really care about the NBA finals, but like when the Lakers won last night, I was like, that's exciting for people. Like walked yeah. by a house and there are people watching inside with jerseys on. I was like, this is nice. Like, yes, it's community. like events. We can get behind it. Like, yeah. also, the NBA did such a fucking phenomenal job not getting one case of COVID in their bubble. Like, it's just like, I was like, that's something I can Unreal. get behind. They've done so much more than other. And funded really cool research yes. about COVID testing that got approved by the FDA. A COVID saliva test is going to make it way more affordable and accessible. And it's like, it's like really, really important shit yeah it's very cool. yeah yeah generally cool but just you know I'm not a big sports fan the bachelorette is the closest thing to a sport before I started watching it I would like listen to some of the conversation around it from two black girls and bachelor party and that's where I feel like I got into it I wanted to be part of the community even though I used to sit down and watch one episode and be like this is the biggest trash in the world or this is such trash watching unreal actually is what maybe first piqued my interest same yeah the scripted show about it which first season was great um but I'm just so excited to have something to be part of like have a conversation it's also going to be a super weird season because the main thing that got really boring last season was it felt so like so dry like I knew exactly what was going to happen we knew exactly who was going to go it just felt there was nothing that exciting the lead was boring yeah I mean Pilot Pete uh, was fucking boring I mean he's a he's it's such a potato such a potato a potato that seems to be he and Kelly are flying all over the country she follows and likes Trump family posts I'll just throw that out no. there no ugh um, I don't want to start anything. We're not a bachelorette podcast. We have gone on too long already. But anyway, it could be a fun thing to consume, even if you hate that kind of thing. Yeah. And then you get to hear us talking about <laughs> it and you'll know what's going on. You can fully like during the bachelorette, the, the fun thing about it, about how dumb it is, is that I have my phone in my hand the whole time texting everyone I know who is watching the bachelorette. So fully dm me like should, i will respond we should do okay go on 51 first dates tonight and what time is it it's on different time for you and me liza you can do this week go put put yeah. your thoughts and stories just like screenshots i will i'll put i'll story. put stories up tonight like a, a live or tweeting. i'll just i'll i'm also going to be getting drunk alone so i also <laughs> probably will hit that video <laughs> Yeah, hit the video. <laughs> it's going to be weird, but if you are bored during during batch tonight, I'll be there. Yes, and I can do it for the West Coast crowd, but I feel like we're a very East Coast podcast. But I'll I'll do it one of these weeks. Um, Amazing, okay. awesome. That's really fun. Oh, I'm sad we don't get to watch in the same time zone. Right? I forgot that is it. It is a bummer. It's not like a debate or sports. Like they don't yeah. align it because it's not that important. Neither are sports. I bet there's a way to like remote you in to. <laughs> To the feed or something i'll ask jeff if he oh, can figure out a way our, our youtube tv is east coast account so i actually may have hey. to watch it early during hey. my work day hey. just kidding work i won't do that <laughs> <laughs> okay well liza oh consum- i'm just consuming my other consumption oh speaking of bachelor i um just ordered mike johnson's book making the love you want which is now released um and mm-hmm. i i've want to shout it out because he uh he was lovely to come on our podcast yeah. um his book wasn't released then we said we would remind the listeners so it's uh, i haven't started it but i am really excited to read it yes um definitely excited too i need to order it uh, i'm excited for him he was getting a little shit from the racist members of hannah's season like i don't know if you saw that go down i won't no. even get into it here but like there was some grossness from that guy Garrett who didn't even win or come close, and ugh. Ugh, it just—it's all gross. But Mike Johnson is was such an angel and so generous with his time with us, and genuinely excited to read his book. Okay, yeah, not a bachelorette podcast. Anyway, <laughs> consumption. I have just been watching Potomac. That's it, Liza. I fucking love it. I'm on season three now. I it's just it's filling my heart when I need. This is for know. anyone who missed last week. This is Real Housewives. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, for because for a split second I was like, oh, is that like a, a drama show on Amazon Prime Potomac. about like a spy? You know? Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> Rhop. That's great. Yep. Well, I took your recommendation from last week and am. F- super fucking with Emily in Paris which I'm obsessed with <laughs> so bad but like you keep watching here's the it. thing 
Okay, like six people texted me in the same week like, oh my God, Emily in Paris is so bad, but it's so good. I can't stop watching it. I'm here to say I do not even think it's bad. I think it's fucking great. Okay, it's it's bad. (laughs) I mean, it's not going to win any Pulitzers, but like, it's not like, okay, so I just feel like I was expecting it to be like every line cringy. Like, I think it's genuinely funny. I, like, have laughed at a lot of, like, through the sex double entendres. I'm like, I think it's funny. It's, like, it's beautiful to look at. Like, I just think taking it all in, I think it's, like, well plotted. Like, I'm exci- – I have been having so- – I haven't gotten – have not gotten into any new scripted series in quarantine. Like, I swear to God, only reality and rewatching of old scripted series. And this show has me sucked in. I'm like addicted. I need to know what happens. I need to know what's happening with Gabrielle. It's all like in a way that nothing has in a while. He's He's so so hot. hot. Oh my God. I'm sorry. The casting director of that show is either a woman or a a gay man. Uh, It is a person who is sexually attracted to men because the men on that show are so fucking hot. Like everyone's (laughs) hot. I mean, yeah. Lily Collins is like stupid. Yeah. That's the the most Chanel bags any 20 something year old has ever had ever <laughs> that oh. is the one thing that i i do i roll as everyone being like you're so american you're so but and i'm like you're so like they treat her like she's like a trashy american i'm like dude she's like stuntingly beautiful she has amazing fashion like they wouldn't she's yeah. not <laughs> she's not like stereotypically american uh, yeah she i would is be anti-hero that though i feel like she's just a big asshole who's like I know what to do. Totally. And she's so annoying. Yeah. And she's just like up in everyone's faces all the time being like, hey, I'm here. I'm never going away. Yes. (laughs) I'm about it, though. It's beautiful. I yesterday I um, met a friend who has been out of the city for months. Gerilyn. Give me a shout out, Gerilyn. Um, uh, She did our graphic design for this podcast. Um, And she's also watching Emily in Paris. And we got croissants and cappuccinos and took them to Central Park. And we were just like, <laughs> fantasy, living the fantasy. It was so, so great and so nice. I and do. Also just like, I like that. Like, how do you make your city something like feel like Paris? I was in a park yes. hanging for a social distanced birthday hang this week. And I felt that's a good vibe. I like that. It was nice. And it, we and neither of us, we hadn't talked about Emily in Paris. Like, we got to her, you know, I went and picked her up near her apartment. We went and got, we were going to get a coffee and we both ordered croissants. And then we were walking away. She was like, it's funny. It's kind of cheesy, but like I'm watching this show, Emily. And I was like, Emily in Paris. <laughs> it was great. So I feel like my experience with The Vow, which I don't need to talk about, just wanted to mention briefly, is that is backwards of my Emily in Paris one. Emily in Paris, I was like, this is bad. It's worse than I thought it was, but I'm going to keep watching. The Vow, I was like, this is good. This is so fascinating. And now I'm like, this is bad. It's worse than I thought it was. <laughs> like, mm. It's not bad, but I'm just like, let's get to the point now. I feel like this week yeah. was a little better, but like it's a little like, you know. Anyway. I still haven't yeah. watched this week's. I feel like this happens with every documentary series where it's like, people are like, let's really make a meal out of this. And then it's like something that could be eight hours is like 12 hours. Something that could be two hours is four. It's like, do we have to stretch everything out so much? Yes. And then the other, this is my last consumption, but I'm just, I'm going to put it out there as a warning. I watched an American family, the new like movie, like 80 minute murder documentary on Netflix. I, I just think it's too dark. Like, did you watch it? It's brutal. It's just brutal. It's not brutal. There's not, the I mean all murder stories are brutal but it's just too brutal there was no there was too much concrete brutality that happened and I actually yeah. regret watching it I, I have not been able to stop thinking about it in a bad way in a bad way yeah and I'm not yeah. saying that it's not you know it, it's it's fully horrifying um I it's not like I'm criticizing it I I don't even know I just know that it put me in a weird place because I just it's different yeah. than the other murder it's docs. really dark yeah the stuff that was really fucking with me is the the footage the police footage like of the guy yep the day you know he did all this shit and watching him lie it just was like it's all found or found well uh, you you know the word found footage no what do you call it like it's um, it's nest cams it's archival like yeah we would we would call it archival like okay it's like it's all yeah they don't they don't they didn't shoot anything new they didn't interview they didn't sit people down and interview them it's just police footage nest cams from the neighborhood um and a lot of the woman the the victim social media mm-hmm. videos yeah it's um, so dark 
it's Pure so evil. upsetting. It's just, uh, I literally, like, I was talking to my sister about it, and I was FaceTiming with her, and I just was, like, my niece was there. My little two-year-old niece was there and kind of hopping on FaceTime no. and chatting. And I was just, like, Abby's not ever allowed to date a man. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just, like, she just is not allowed to, like. Sorry. No, it does. It makes, yeah, as we chat on our dating podcast, but just yeah. always a great reminder to be safe. Um, everyone yeah, is totally. terrifying. And yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Also was a little oh, horrified feet. that Tony like called. He was like, oh, he got in shape. He's going to have like a, re-. he like called it all. <laughs> I was like, is this how all male wilds work? I was, that's funny. It's amazing that Tony called that because when the cops the cops said that the cops confronted the the guy, the, the husband slash killer, and were like, you're in shape. Like, what yeah. is it for a girlfriend or whatever? And I was like, oh, my God, that's so smart. I never would have thought of that. It's like he had already yeah. said it. I was like, God, I'm like freaked out by that. <laughs> like, why? No, why? it's just it's. Yeah, it's just no. It, it's just so one of those things where like when you say it, you're like, yeah, it, like the, the signs you, that you can miss them if you don't know about them this is like a reason like I know the my favorite murder podcast has its has its issues but I think that like the awareness of situations is helpful awareness of these little things to look for yeah no it's really I mean oh my goodness so let us (laughs) switch gears a little bit we're going to do a listener question and then we're going to get into sexy talk with Shan I feel like that just really like was not it's not sexy talk <laughs> can I talk oh, yeah, about, let's talk about the least sexy things ever cult documentaries murder documentaries um oh. okay but so let's do this question hey so this question comes to us from the secret Facebook group it does. Oh, you already shouted out the secret Facebook group. Okay, sorry. No, but I, I mean, it comes from the secret Facebook group. The great thing about the secret Facebook group is that you can post in there and it stays within our nice, small, regulated community. Regulated, hello, well, like the FDA. Um, but if you want us to talk about it on the podcast, we, or if we want to talk about it on the podcast, because we think it's interesting, we'll ask you um, if we can have your permission to speak about it anonymously. So you can share within the secret Facebook group without it being broadcast if you don't want it to be okay so hey y'all I'm 23 years old and have never been in a real relationship not because I didn't want to be in one but I've always had a hard time opening myself up to guys because of past abandonment and trust issues so here comes where I need help I had known this guy for two years from work and we had been good friends during this time which I always had a crush on him for the two years I've known him, he had he had a girlfriend who I was also friends with because we all worked together. She broke up with him in May of this year. After she broke up with him, he and I reconnected because of a small business I started. He wanted to purchase something from me. I helped him through the breakup and talked to him every day. My feelings for him grew and I could tell he liked me too. Fast forward to us admitting we had feelings and hanging out more. He lives two hours away but was making an effort for us to see each other. I drove to him and he drove to me. We had a full day dates in each other's towns where we met each other's families. I spent a full weekend with his family at their cabin. It felt like it was getting serious. Then one weekend he went to visit friends. Or sorry, the one weekend he went to visit friends, he told me he felt we were moving too fast and he wanted to slow down. I know myself and that I fall hard and move quickly. So I understood and said I would go slower. He made would make plans for the next year of us doing stuff together and going to family things so things continued um we spent a weekend alone at his cabin where we had sex for the first time and it was my my first time which obviously meant a lot his ex reached out to me that weekend and asked if we were dating which he told me to respond to her with no we're just friends i felt like it was a great weekend um but the next week he got distant and his ex reached out to hang out the Sunday after they hung out together, he texted me and said he wanted to remain friends with me. That was six weeks ago, and I still want to cry every day because I felt so hard for him and possibly loved him. We still talk almost every day, but he – we still talk almost every day, um, but every weekend he has hung out with his ex. He'll ignore me the whole weekend while they hang out and text the minute she leaves or he leaves. I also lent him money, and he has yet to pay me back, but has money to hang out with her. I know this is long and probably confusing, but I am so confused and don't know what to do. Am I crazy for still not being over this? Is there something I should be doing to help? Should I message him and tell him how I'm feeling? This is my first time with this experience, and I don't know what to do. Liza. Oh, this is horrible. I'm so sorry you're going through this. It's really, um, 
I mean, look, there's so many, uh, there's so, I have so many thoughts, um, which are many and varied and I don't know him and I don't know his intentions, but there's definitely a version of this where I think he's like a horrible, mean, horrible person and a version Mm -hmm. of this where I think he's an okay person. So I'm going to go with the version of this where I think he's an okay person. (laughs) Cause I I think actually the way that I would have you respond to this is the same in either case. Um, I think he seems confused and he's not sure how he feels. Uh, and that is really, really hard. Um, again, assuming I'm, I'm assuming the best case scenario in terms Don't of worry, like, I his... will assume the worst case after. Oh, great. Okay. Go, go. Yeah. So let's say he's, uh, He's not sure how he feels. He's confused. He's trying to figure it out. And he's trying to keep um, everyone kind of happy and in in touch with everyone and not burn anyone. Um, And he just genuinely doesn't know who he has the most intense feelings for. Um, That's okay for him. But it's not okay for him to treat you the way he's treating you. He is wanting to have all of the benefits of friendship with you um, and none of the consequences of the way he's treated you, which is not that thoughtfully. Um, And I think you, I, this is your first heartbreak. And I can't even tell you, like when I look back at my first heartbreak, I wish this wasn't the case, but it leaves a fucking imprint on your soul and you carry the baggage with you through a lot of relationships, through a lot of your future relationships. That sounded really like bleak and I don't mean it to be um, because you are obviously like self-aware and dealing with your feelings um, and that's a really good thing. I would just say the best way to minimize the damage is to tell him as soon as possible that you do not want to be his friend. You're not okay with being strung along. Um, If he wants to be with his ex, that's completely fine, but you don't need to talk to him anymore. Uh, I think it's going to make things easier for you. I think you're going to be doing him a service by showing him how to treat people. Not that that's why you do it, but I, I think it's just like a bonus thing. Um, but I think you have to do that now. I think you have to do it today. Like the second you, the, the earliest you can, you just need to send him a text and be like, hey, you know, I get stuff didn't work out between us. You know, I'm uh, I'm sad about that. But ultimately, like, I don't, I don't want to be friends. I have enough friends. Um, it's too hard to keep talking. So I don't want to, I don't want to be friends anymore um best of luck with your ex good vibes to you bye and then I would send him a Venmo invoice for the money he owes you mm-hmm. and say so you can say to him I'm gonna send you a Venmo invoice for the money please pay me like you know within the week um if he doesn't I will I would keep reminding him and then any text with him I think will should just be about getting your money from him um and again, I'm assuming this is me assuming he's like going with a thought experiment that he's a good person, which I'm going to be honest, I'm not sure he is. Well, yeah, because we always, you know, we no, we don't always because we have the loveliest gems of listeners. You all rule. But, you know, people always wanting to take, well, not every guy is bad, et cetera. I think that was the right thing to do. Give him the benefit of the doubt. I will now come in and be a little harsher if that's OK. But it's not going to be harsh with you, listener who wrote in. First and foremost, like Liza said, I just want to reiterate, you are absolutely not crazy for not being over him. This is like, one, you're young and a first, you know, time having sex with someone, a relationship, he told you he liked you, you went away, you met each other's families. Like, I have been in things that were less huge than this that fucked me up for years. And so if I'm harsh at all in this, it's not to you or you're, you're feeling everything, you're handling everything in the right way. I am going to think back to myself in situations that honestly I think were less, you know, less uh, emotionally intense than yours given the circumstances where I was young and I like kept talking to someone and being their emotional support at times just because 
uh, I didn't want to let it go. And that's okay. That's natural. That's human. But I wish I would have let some of those things go sooner and cut it off. So he's being quite shitty to you. The From, you know, the he's treating you like an emotional support system, a therapist maybe. The, the person you end up with is never going to have rules or boundaries on when they reply to your tasks and then don't reply to your texts. They're never going to tell you to lie to their ex about something if she reaches out to you. They're going to be on your side. And I think for a long time, I would be with people who weren't necessarily all the way on my side. They weren't bad people. I would argue this guy kind of being a bad person. Um, but even when people aren't you know, actively trying to be bad or just being selfish and maybe even unaware of how selfish they're being and hurting another person's feelings, you got to take that you know, actions speak louder than words. But really, you've got to take that at face value. It'll save you so much more time. You know, right now I understand wanting to just maybe go, like give him one more shot, explain your feelings one more time. Again, I'm speaking to kind of my younger self in these situations. I always wanted to like say my piece but leave a door open because for me there was something really nice to keeping that person in my life too even if it wasn't being treated I wasn't being treated in the best way um but I would say don't keep a door open Liza had a great advice say something that will feel semi-cathartic you don't even have to wish this person good vibes I mean I guess you do want to get paid your money but you can just be really honest and vulnerable and say you know I really fell for you I really don't appreciate the way that you've treated me. I can't be your friend. I can't be – He's he's been really shitty. I Friends don't treat friends like this. And even if he were like a great friend to you who's texted you all the time and didn't fuck things up with your friendship, if you had feelings for a friend and they did not feel the same way back to you, like saying it, being really clear on that, and then like – Stopping torturing yourself by having that communication with them is just the only choice as painful as it is, I think. And yeah. my other grandma thing that like you cannot see in the moment you're in now, you shouldn't. Like you have to feel a heartbreak. I am a firm believer in that. And you might have to feel it for longer than you wanted to and it's going to be messy. You could send this like I can't be your friend text and you could have slip ups, let's say, in the future where you do respond or something. I think though – if you can try to hold on to like something from middle school you thought you would never get over or I am just going to be grandma and tell you there will be a day where you look back on this and you're like, oh, that's exactly the opposite of how this great person I found does treat me. Like these things are so horrible. Heartbreak, it's 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 worse. It's so bad. Like I yeah. – having lost a parent, like we all have like things in our lives that, you know – objectively bad tragedies but there's like nothing like the like a relationship that doesn't work out or liking someone and having them treat you like shit or just having something break in a relationship it's a very particular brand of pain and you shouldn't beat yourself up for feeling any of it I think it means like you're a, a real human like we're all humans but you're an empathetic human you're a compassionate human even for yourself so be compassionate with yourself but draw a boundary and then you will, I promise, look back on this and be like, oh, that was a really important like rip off the band-aid of like, that's not how I should be treated. Yeah. Because it is totally. hard. We're all getting into relationships later in life now, I think. There's never really been that great of a model like for relationships in our society, I would argue. Like, I don't know. It's it's really hard to know what your standard is before you practice it in relationships. And this is a place where you can be like, absolutely not. You're you're back with your ex. Like, this is so disrespectful. It's okay not to, to feel that right now, but one day you will. And you will be with someone who does not treat you like this. And I know that sounds 100%. cheesy, but I'm talking – like, it fucking – it took me so long to break my bad habits. Totally. I've been there. Honestly, almost every woman I know has been there. And – I think it's so important to remember that you need to treat someone you need to you need to be with someone who is thinking about how their actions affect you and the, and this person's not that's a huge mm-hmm. like litmus test like is this person carefully modulating their actions and behaviors and their words based on how it will affect me and are you doing that for them like it has to be there ha- that's like respect and 
on kindness and compassion and all of the things you want in a partner and this person's not exhibiting those things yeah and yeah Liza we have all been there that's the other thing I feel like Uh, just remember that if you feel like why am I not over this like no that's not that's not the the issue here the issue is fully this person yes and you'll get over it when you get over it it'll take the time it takes sometimes it takes years I mean I'm not saying that to scare you because it's not like it's going to be horrible every day for years but it's like sometimes things just they take whatever time they take to work their way out of your system. It's like getting a cold, you know. Sometimes yeah. it's a couple days and sometimes it's a couple weeks and it sucks. Nobody, you know, no one likes it. But, um, yeah, y- you will feel better. And and I'm so sorry you're going through this. It is the fucking worst. It is. And you will feel, if you craft that text and do the Venmo thing, that, that's so annoying that he owes you money. Like that makes me extra angry. Yeah. Uh, also I would say I don't know your financial situation or how much money it is if there is a way for you to you know if he doesn't pay you back right away if you ask him to pay you back Venmo invoice him whatever and he doesn't pay you back it may be healthier for you to if you are financially able to do do this if it's not an amount of money that hurts you financially it may be worth the cash to just let it go Yep. You know, if it's 150 bucks, you're like, I'll live without it. You know, again, this is assuming a lot of things. But but of course, if it's significant money and you need it, then fucking get that money. Yeah. No, it's oh. – I'm just – because even that, the money – it's such a good, like, microcosm of the broader problem of, of course, you're going to miss him. And if you're like me, like, having that connection with that person, even if it's not even romantic anymore, you feel like – if you still have feelings for them, it feels really good, even though it feels really anxiety-inducing at the same time. The money is the perfect example of that. It still gives you this connection to him, this one last interaction you have to have with him, but that's like full of anxiety for you. This person has really, and hurt, and pain, like, and where does that, you know, balance out how nice it would be to just talk to him, even if it's just about getting money back? You know, I think that's, it's the microcosm of the larger thing of like, this person isn't respecting your time, your wallet, your feelings, and they're probably causing you more anxiety and pain than they are joy. And again, you're we're all we've all been in this situation multiple times for some of us. Hello me. But I, I would yeah, just like again, it's I don't If you don't have to get into it with the money, that would be ideal. And I think sending a really cathartic text that's just really drawing a line in the sand, it'll you'll still have hurt and pain, but you'll be able to feel those heartbreaking feelings without this like light at the end of the tunnel thing. You know, something could change. You're getting over him will be based on you, yes, not on him. Like it'll be on your timeline, not based on, um, like it won't change every time you interact with him based on what he says or doesn't say or. Yeah. Yeah. But we love you. We are so sorry. And um, please, you know, reach out. Keep us updated if you want to or if you just want to want to chat, send us an email or anything. And thank you for letting us read this. I just think it's so relatable. I think everyone has a version of this exact relationship. And now we're going to get the beat things a little more upbeat um shannon is amazing um check out our interview after this ad break we love her we love all of you and thank you so much hope you enjoy all right everybody we are so excited to be joined by shan boudram shan thank you so much for being here thank you so much for having me i'm very excited happy friday i know yes i like this energy this comes out on a tuesday take it again Uh, but (laughs) it's Friday for us so I'm gonna say it (laughs) I like it yeah and the weeks just feel interminable so I think we can celebrate Friday on Tuesday like respect that yes (laughs) yeah we're so thrilled to have you um you're just like a shiro inspiration of all kinds and I was saying before we started recording like Shan is uber pregnant and just like turning such a look right now (laughs) like not to throw Kimmy under the bus but we both are not (laughs) pregnant or turning looks so it's incredibly impressive and badass and we're even more excited I'm the annoying person I actually did a Skype interview with somebody during the pandemic who was wearing leather pants and I've never despised somebody more because you (laughs) willingly you don't even need pants in these situations so 
Uh, I had like, I'm going to just preface to say I had a TV thing this morning or else I would have been right there with you because it's better. It's just more real. Let's be authentic. Why do you got to be wearing leather pants and eyeliner at your house? Yeah. No, yeah. it's especially pants. Especially yeah. pants. No one's seeing your pants. Pants and bras. Bras have kind of gone off the wind out the window for me during the pandemic. I'm not sure, you know, that might change when I get back out there in the world. But yeah, might not. Pants are, might not. That's true. Yeah, it might be the only good thing about 2020 is the end of bras. Yeah. Um, but you okay? So so you do a million cool things. It's hard to even like there are truly 25,000 things we want to ask you, but we're gonna just start a little bit broad. You do you have like a superhero origin story about how you got started in this? Did you have like a moment where you knew that you wanted a career in in sexology? Oh, that's the best way that question's ever been asked to me before. Um, I, I will say that I think my superhero origin story started when I was five, like all superhero stories. I feel like <laughs> I was just naturally drawn to the human body. You know how some kids are just. Uh, aficionados at the piano. They just sit down and they get it. I feel like I was like that towards the body. Um, I just loved touch. I loved uh, physical contact. My Barbies never had clothes on. And um, I think that that sort of natural affinity towards that area was not like being great at the piano to my parents. It was alarming to them. So I feel like a lot of my natural tendencies towards this being a good, healthy, and uh, safe space to explore was really suppressed. I remember even having like um, a sexual experience with a pillow and I think I told my parents about it and they were really, really upset. But I, I thought of it as a positive thing. Like I had this really great connection. It, was, it felt really good and it felt really positive. So I feel like I knew from a very young age what I came to Reno in my 20s. And that is that sexuality is a positive, awesome, wonderful, um, what's what I'm looking for? You can't separate something. Irreparable, yeah, it's like inseparable, inseparable, inseparable part of who you are. And so, mm -hmm. I think if you try to shame it, hide it, discolor it, um, that's when you get into problems. But when you truly embrace it and you're honest about yourself and who you are and what works best for you, and you explore tools that uplift that, that's when sexuality can be a really beautiful part of who you are. So, long story short, I kind of went through a really shitty teen sex life once hormones kicked in and I was sort of left on my own devices to figure things out. And that's when I decided that no, my original gumption was correct. I just need the information, the knowledge and the resources to steer myself back on the right path. And once I did that, I wanted to do it for others too. Yeah, and it's really amazing. You know, I think especially as women, but it's anyone across the board, no matter how you identify, there's just so much stigma and shame around. Honestly, even hearing your story and being so inspired by it, I still feel uncomfortable talking about like, my sexuality as a child, you know, and like when I started to feel those feelings. And it's so impressive that you've made this career of it. Like you're on Quibi now. It, was there a moment where, you know, beyond your superhero origin story, you really were like, I'm going to transition this into a career. And how did you, were you met with resistance? Like how did you do it so successfully in this space? Well, let's backtrack. I would love to hear about your like, early experiences as a sexual being. Like, what are like, the earliest things that you remember? Because I think that we do think of it like, it's impure, right? Like a, a child is pure as opposed to a child is a sexual being. We're all, an old person is a sexual being. Like you were born with sexual characteristics. Of course, there is healthy and um, appropriate ways to interact with yourselves at different ages. But at the end of the day, you still should have a relationship with your sexual self because again, you can't separate that from the person. So I'm curious to hear what you remember as being like your first sexual experiences. Like truly, alone in my bedroom like finally feeling the urge and going through with it and touching myself and like figuring that out and feeling a lot of shame around it for I don't remember how old I was that's the tricky part but I was young because there was no I had not I don't think I'd ha like thought about kissing boys to that extent yet it was more like a crush on Jonathan Taylor Thomas you know it, I so it was very much a me thing a personal place where I went and then felt a lot of shame around and I don't feel like I talked to girlfriends about masturbation until I was well into my 20s you know it's just insane 
Yeah, it's crazy. I feel like a lot of people have, I had like one friend who was like really open about talking about sex and that kind of got my whole friend group like more open about it. But so many people don't have, like do just feel that shame kind of, I don't, I mean, who who knows? Like, do you have opinions on where that comes from? Is it learned? Is it something that we can do better with in the way we're like teaching kids about sex? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it, it's completely social, it's completely cultural and the opinions around sex differ from culture to culture uh, depending on, you know, what's the prevalent attitude of that given region. So I think that what we could do better at is instead of having the talk, right? Like reserving it for like when you're 15, we'll have the birds and the bees or whatever age, it should really be the ongoing conversation. Like everything else, like math is not like the math. You're learning, okay, one plus one equals two. Again, you're learning like relevant information to your age, to your maturity level. And it's like a building process that goes up. And so I think what happens with sex and relationships is that we're like, I'm not going to tell you anything. We're going to completely ignore this part of yourself. If you try to interact with this part of yourself, I'm going to tell you it's a bad thing. When you turn 18 or whatever the age is, that person, you know, who's the authority figure thinks is the right age, then I'll give you and start giving you information. And so if you didn't learn about math from age two, you're not going to be exceptional at age 20 when you just get started. So I think that that mindset is, is so completely backwards. But I, when I went to school for sexology, we had this one course where it was like age by age sex education. Like what is the normal sexual behavior and normal, I'm putting quotes because it doesn't mean like what you should be doing. It just means like the average person is doing. Um, what is a normal sexual behavior each age? And it was saying stuff like by five, you know, uh, genital exploration starts to happen even a little bit earlier, but by five, you can identify what you're doing and the body part you're doing it too. And, you know, by seven, you might have your first crush or you may have a need to like show your genitals to somebody at school. So, and learning that, I think as a parent, even you're like, oh, like my kid is not like a deviant, crazy person. If they're doing this, they just need more information on what's appropriate for them. So I think that like, if, yeah, if there was more of a long-term education versus like this siloed off two weeks that we're waiting to tell all the perfect information in, we'd all be better for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it makes enormous amount of sense. And like, this is going to be the strangest transition ever, but like, let's, let's take a jump forward from that stage, like 12 to 15 years into like, so we talk a lot about first dates and like early stage dating and I feel like we our podcast is a lot about like unlearning a lot of the wrong things we've learned about like how to date as women and what it means to date. I feel like a lot of our listeners talk about not being sure how to incorporate like sex and sexuality into early dating. There's of course like the really outdated like third date rule, yes. but lots of people are like, I don't know, am I allowed to like have sex with someone on first date? What if I don't like them, but I just want to have sex with them? What if this? What if that? Like, how do you think sexuality can play into like a first date scenario? I feel like we obviously talk a lot about consent. Thankfully, that's un, you know a very important part of the conversation now is consent. Do both parties enthusiastically want to be there? I think the second layer to consent is intent. Um, okay, yes, we both want to be here. Yes, we both have an interest in having sex. Is your reason the same as my reason? Maybe I want to have sex with you because I think that we had a really great vibe, the chemistry was good, and I want to enhance the intimacy or I want to continue on what we've experienced. Maybe you feel like the date was boring as fuck and you're just like, oh man, I could kind of nut right now. Uh, I'd love to have an orgasm. And that's what your intent is. And so the experience is never going to be positive because even though we're both agreeing to it, our reasons and our goals for doing it are so different. So I think that like, it's just enhanced conversations. If you feel like on a first date, you can manage the conversation around sexual health, intent, uh, relationship expectations or goals, and you know, chemistry in the bedroom, what you do and you don't like, if you can knock that out the park in one day, go ahead. Uh, those are obviously things though that probably do take a little bit more time to really learn and figure out. So the percentage of people who could probably do the first date sexting is very low. Um, but if you are an aficionado and you've been doing this, I'm sure it'll work out just fine for you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think so much about first dates and dating someone new is about like, are we are we both there? Like, is this something that I feel comfortable with at this point in dating? Because it's all so new and just, I don't know. Again, I'm clear that I'm like in this moment, like I was more sexually repressed than I realized. But yes. I think especially, you know, I was single for a long time. And when I was going on dates for this podcast, you know, I 
I don't feel like I was super sexual on a lot of first dates, not in terms of like having sex, but even just my flirtation style, et cetera. And I'm curious, you know, what your thoughts are, like for someone who's single and listening right now who does want to get more in attuned to where they're even comfortable being sexual on a first date or if they might be comfortable having you know sex on a first date eventually how do you recommend getting more in touch with yourself sexually while you're single oh yeah and it's a great question and it's probably the best time to get more in touch with yourself because you can try things out on various different people and then do trial and error see what works So I even say that with like dating apps, you don't have to treat every conversation in a dating app. Like, are you the one? Will we be together? Like it's being a comedian, right? Like testing out different lines, testing out different conversation styles, seeing how you can broach different topics in various ways. And so everything is a muscle. Like even talking about safe sex is a muscle. If you're not comfortable, you've never done it before. If you never sat down with somebody and been like, hey, what are your values around sexual health? It can be so daunting for you to be like, how could I possibly bring this up? But if you're practicing it and seeing what works and what doesn't, that's how you're going to realize, okay, when I'm in a situation with someone that I do feel a good vibe with, here's the way that I have found I've gotten the best reaction from them, the kind of responses that I actually am looking for to make a further investment or decision on making a further investment. So I think while you're dating, um, Try out different parts of yourself, you know, audition the more like outgoing, aggressive, dominant side of you. Audition the more submissive, laid back side of you. Audition the side of you that's more of the tease. Um, And obviously, I think when you get into the right situation with somebody, all of those various parts of you come into play. I think that it's about having like a Rolodex, like who do I want to be today? But dating is a great time to practice different parts, get comfortable with things that naturally do feel uncomfortable for you. But obviously, of course, while keeping safety at the forefront, but as we're in a pandemic right now and you probably shouldn't just be seeing people willy nilly, I think that's actually a good time to practice because even if you're doing stuff like Zoom dates, um, that's a safe opportunity for you to try out different facets of your sexual self to see what feels good for you and of course, what gets you the best reaction to somebody else. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, uh, so many, we've had, you know, obviously so many discussions and questions from listeners about pandemic dating and I think, Uh, we've tried to reframe Zoom dating as, you know, better than people think it is. And I think that's a really good example of where it can be better. You can be sexual in a very safe way. Uh, Yeah. How, Even the Zoom interviews, we're not dressed to the nines. If we were together right now, I just put some mango cake in my mouth. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) that's the point. I'm not wearing the right pants. My feet are filthy. I'm not wearing shoes. Like, Of course, there's limitations that come with that, but embrace it for the positivity. And if you're going on first dates with Zoom, why not? Like, you know, when you were like, I have cheat sheets below me right now. If you kind of see like, okay, like what is this podcast? Like what is topics we're going to bring up? What are my talking points? And so you can have that for a date as well too. So you can, if you're especially somebody who gets nervous, you know, go and look up 36 questions to fall in love and have like seven goes to right here that you can just glance at. If the conversation starts to feel dry, you don't know where to go next. So Use it to your advantage. Yes, there's disadvantages. We all know that. Um, But try to find where it can work for you and work that shit out. Yeah. I love that you mentioned the 36 questions. We've talked about that a lot. Yes. Uh, Like, (laughs) use them. Like, why not? Yeah. Especially now, like, it does feel like so many social rules have just gone to the wayside with the pandemic. Like, I feel like it's – there's an easier path to, like, conversational intimacy. And and I feel like it's more okay now, weirdly, to just ask someone, like, a very personal question because we're all just living in a, you know – post-apocalyptic kind of hellscape so it's like <laughs> things should feel just feels like walls are falling down naturally um have you talked to anyone I'm just curious if you've talked to anyone who has like been trying to figure out how to turn a zoom relationship in the pandemic into a sexual one do you have tips on like what you what the right move is when you are vibing with someone on zoom right now and you decide you actually may want to like touch them in person yes um you know what's really great about this um i always say to people like you should always be aware of anybody who's giving you advice about the pandemic right who's like telling you how to pandemic properly because you're like really did your last pandemic go very well and that's why you're telling me this <laughs> or um it's going to be so different for everyone even though we're going to the exact same scenario it's so unique how each individual is manifesting that or how it's making an impact in their life. And then of course as well too, like your your grandma can't give you advice, right? Like nobody has gone through what we're going through right now in history. So 
I'm always really weary of being like, I've got the answers for the perfect way to do something. But I will say an advantage of having my show on Quibi is that we've been back shooting since July, like early July. And we have about, everyone gets tested for COVID before, but we have about 10 different guests per week. And so I'm hearing so many stories from people who have had the experience, who have been out there, who have tried different things and seeing what's worked for them and what hasn't worked for them. And I think that the main thing that people have to realize is that there's a lot of steps in between that you can't miss. I think that when it's in-person dating, you can glaze over a lot of stuff and things can feel more organic and flowy, but by virtue of the fact that we're not in the same space, like you have to be a bit more pragmatic around like, how do I get from A to Z? And so I think if you're vibing with somebody in the chat, then you're going to go to a phone call. And if the phone call goes well, you might go to a Zoom date. And then if the Zoom date goes well, you might start texting each other. Then you might start sexting each other. Then you might start Zoom sexting. So there's like a natural progression. Whereas if you're in person, we go out, we have drinks, I get drunk, you get drunk, we're fucking. And now I'm like, okay, are we together? Like it's, we've missed so many points in between there. So I think, again, I kind of take advantage of the fact that things have to be a little bit slower. And so you don't have to come up with these answers right away anymore. You don't have to decide while you're sitting across from someone that you just learned their last name, if you're going to end up sleeping with them tonight or not, because you're not in the same room anyways. So I think again, like just utilize all the various steps you have to take anyways to your advantage and then increase the intimacy each time with each one. And so if you've gotten to a place of sexting somebody, why not, you know, start like saying, oh man, like this morning I woke up an extra hour just so I could think about you and use one of my toys or whatever it is that you say that's like sort of a throwaway. You don't have to ask a question, but just see if they engage back with you in that way. And if they do, the transition to being like, can we make a date later on? And I want to show you that toy that I was telling you about would feel a lot more natural. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. I think, I don't know, it's especially for, again, myself, repressed. Like, I'd be very intimidated by a Zoom, like getting sexual on Zoom, text so much easier. To yes. Be, to lean into that. Have you yeah, been sexting? Um, so I, I'm, well, at, yes, at the beginning of the pandemic. So I, my boyfriend and I now live together in LA, but we were separated for quite some time, um, like three months, I think total. He was in New York at the beginning of this all. And so that was a long time. So I was sexting and, uh, and FaceTiming, but, uh, it's, and that's tricky enough for me in a relationship. Um, I'm curious actually. For those who are listening and are in relationships, you're in a relationship, we are all quarantined. Any advice on maintaining, you know, sexual chemistry when you're living in the same space as someone all the time, 24-7? Yeah, my first thought when you're talking about was like, I would love the opportunity to sext my fiance and not see yeah. him. You know what I mean? <laughs> no shanties. Yeah, great. it's crazy. I'm my husband actually went to a funeral, um, you know, a couple of months ago. And that was like, I think like the most freaky that we had gotten with each other because there was finally distance, which we're usually accustomed to in our flow. And we had a lot of like firsts, like, oh, that was the first time that I did this on like a video call. That was the first time. So I, I totally agree with you that a lot of people think, I think everyone thinks that everyone else's situation is better. So I think a lot of people who are single are like, if only I had my partner living with me. And a lot of people who are uh, have their partner living with me, like if only my partner would leave. Um, <laughs> so it's somewhere in between between to find that balance but everyone's just managing and refiguring things out because what was is no longer yeah yeah it's tricky it's I think especially this is like the longest relationship I've been in like I was you know very accustomed to even pre, you know taking the pandemic out of it you know situationships and things that were very based in like a sexual chemistry that I would then you know apply to other parts of the relationship and being in a longer term relationship and the pandemic like not that the chemistry isn't there. It's just a different thing that you're managing in, right. in a relationship. And I guess, do you, when you think about kind of the, the I know we can't keep our distance right now, but I was also in a long distance relationship for, for part of this. Do you think, like, what would you recommend in terms of, you know, no matter if you're in a longer term relationship or, you know, three month relationship, do you think it's important to take some space how you can, like, I know we're not all traveling and being away from each other, but do you think it's important to carve out, you know, solo time away from your partner? 
Yeah, I mean, Esther Perel, um, who is an incredible expert in this space, she has such a beautiful quote that fire needs air to breathe and to grow, right? Like it needs oxygen in space. And so what ends up happening, I think, is a lot of people think about intimacy in terms of like intertwining with each other. Like the more that you can become connected, the more that you're one, uh, the closer that you will be. In some cases that can be true for like companionate love. So you might feel, you know, a sense of like, I can finish your sentences. I know what you're going to do. I know what you're going to say at all times. I know what you're going to eat for breakfast. And there's something lovely about that. But when it comes to sexuality, it's the unpredictability. It's the spontaneity. It's the like, I have no idea if I whip these tits out, if you're going to like be shocked or like completely into it. You know, it's that the, the risk and reward part of your brain is ignited and that's where dopamine is released. And so when everything becomes so predictable or you always know the answer to every question, that's when it's very difficult to build desire uh, because there has to be a little bit of a gamble with that. And so it's not a hard thing. It just means you kind of have to manufacture those elements in any way that you possibly can, whether that is like intentionally setting space apart and then saying like, okay, we're going to sext, you know, twice a week, or whatever it is. There's actually something really interesting that I read that was talking about couples who are experiencing really low sex drive. And it was saying that instead of doing stuff like scheduling intimacy and um, having more conversations around like erotic play and fantasies, buying new toys, they're like, put on a 30 day, no sex rule in your house. Like for 30 days, we're not having sex. There's no sexual contact. The only way that you can interact with me in a sexual way is through like freaky texts. And so we start to like build that like desire, like I want you, but I can't have you. And then you have to put in 15 minutes of non-sexual touch each day. So it's just like making out or that's obviously sexual, but um, cuddling each other or massaging, just anything that doesn't lead to sexual release. And so you actually create that sexual tension between each other again, and you put an obstacle in place and maybe you don't make it to 30 days, but I think like that sort of intentionality, whether that's your strategy or something else, but you have to try to outsmart your brain or outsmart smart the system because it is very difficult again to create this like <sighs> feeling for someone that you know what they had for breakfast and you know they're going to take a shit in 10 minutes. <laughs> it's so real. <laughs> yeah, so much knowledge of of people shitting schedules in quarantine. Oh, I know exactly. Sudden. Yeah, <laughs> no, I know how long he takes there. That's my, that's my husband's honest to God meditation time. I, I'm convinced of it. There's no other reason she's been that in the bathroom that long. I'm like, you're praying. That's all. Uh, yeah, not to generalize, but your husband's not alone. It does feel like a lot of men, that's a thing. That's the, their the special time. time. Yeah. <laughs> Good for them. They need it. Um, so this is okay. So I'm gonna just briefly throw it back to like 2019 dating. Like pre, I know, right? Another world. Let's go back way back. Pre COVID, pre quarantine. <laughs> Do you have? I feel like so much of what we encounter in like all of the stories we hear about dating are um, these kind of like gray area we call them like situationships like you're having sex for six months you don't know what's happening like there's lots of feelings being shared there's no commitments there's whatever do you have um that was like a very very weird preamble to the question I'm gonna ask and I feel like no, I just I'm very excited the answer I wanted which is the worst <laughs> thing to do but basically my question is like do you feel like modern dating 2019 dating pre-quarantine do you feel like it's it's incorporating sexuality into our dating is making dating better or worse. Do you feel like if you could change something about modern dating, what would it be? Is basically what I'm asking badly. I think what's kind of cool about this time, because um, oftentimes people like make sweeping statements like sex today is trash or dating today is trash or the way that people make connections is trash because it's like you get caught up in like what is the popular culture or the mainstream way of doing something. And if the mainstream way doesn't work for you, it's not that the actual um, goal doesn't work for you. So it's not that dating itself is bad, but maybe dating in the way that 2019 has made dating wasn't functional based on how you optimally work. Now I said this example earlier of billionaires have made more money during the pandemic. Um, a lot of people have had their best year ever this year, even though it's been majority of people's worst year and worst nightmare and extremely difficult, and extremely hard and heartbreaking and loss of family, etc. There have been people where this environment, for whatever reason, was optimal for them. So I think through this, you might have learned that 
a slower environment where there is less pressure to hook up instantly. There's less pressure to wow somebody within one date because, you know, we, we have more patience as a virtue. I don't think people want to be swiping as much anymore. So if they start a conversation with you, they're more likely to engage. And OkCupid had a stat that said that more people uh, message their matches than ever before in the month of March alone. That is to say that people aren't like, okay, you're cute, whatever. Oh, I have five other matches. Let me talk to them instead. We're like, no, I want to talk to people and I want to actually connect. And I want to do, I have to do things a little slower. So you might've found that this is actually your cadence. This is the way that you like to date more. And so I think knowing that even when things start to open back up, you try to recreate an environment where you can be your best self in. You try to recreate a pace and you reform dating to make it what you want so you come out on top versus going with whatever like the popular culture is at the time. So I hate sweeping statements, you know, that are just like dating is trash or everybody just wants to have sex. Everyone on dating apps is just after this because that just tells me that you're just going with whatever the popular culture is and you're not searching for niche cultures within that that actually do suit you best. Because everything, I mean, it's the fucking internet. I can find everything on the internet, right? If I can find a video of a cat and a hamster making love, I can certainly find somebody who's online, not just trying to hook up um, and waste my time. Oh, I love that. That's such a powerful note. And I think it's like meme culture. Like I see these dating memes that are relatable, but we can't, that doesn't mean they should apply to us or be what we're like slowly edging our dating styles towards, you know, subconsciously. Um, And we did that with our careers, right? You know, we, there's a traditional way that our parents uh, entered into the workforce. There's a traditional way that they thought about saving or life or uh, wealth building. And we came in and we're like, that looks boring and terrible. Uh, I don't want to do that. So I'm going to choose something that's off the beaten path. That's more niche towards me. And even though there might be more obstacles or it might be harder to find that kind of job because it's not the norm, I do know that I'm going to be better for it if I just go a little bit left. Um, And so if you need to go a little bit left in dating, like do that. Yeah, going a little bit left in dating. I'm into it. I love that. And on that note, we don't want to take up too much of your time. Shannon, this has been so lovely. And I I know that any listeners who weren't already aware of your amazing work or are going to be looking for where they can get more more tips, more thoughts um, and wisdom. So let them know where they can find you. Yes. So I'm going to make one wish because everyone's very busy and overwhelmed with all the things. So if you could please watch Sexology with Shambu Dram on Quibi, it's on five days a week. And this is a free ask because essentially if you sign up for Quibi, you get two weeks for free. And my show has over 100 episodes up right now. So go binge that. After those two weeks, what you do is your business. If you're a T-Mobile customer, you get Quibi for free anyways. But every day we tackle a different topic. Everything we talked about today, we have an episode on, on sexology. And like that's the place to go where I think the largest arsenal and range of my work exists. Whether you're into double penetration or you want to figure out how to Zoom sex, like literally there's an episode on each of those things up there right now. And it's a great show. Um, congratulations, too. Thank it's you, such, Kimmy. Like, yeah, I love it. It's and so great. It's all going to be linked below. Obviously, I mean, everyone listening is going to go check check Shan out. Obviously. I'm, yeah, I'm obsessed with your show. I'm, uh, like, you know, a little bit obsessed with you. It's creepy. Sorry. No, I love an obsession. <laughs> okay, great. Amazing. We're so thrilled to have you on. And so much luck with your, with your new baby. I Thank hope it you. goes smoothly and amazingly and uh we are so grateful for your time thank you so much happy pandemic <laughs> yeah. Yeah. happy friday happy friday let's do that one instead happy friday, happy friday. <laughs> thank you shan thanks shan Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.